Welcome to day 338 as we come to the close of our third season together in Shaped by the Word, the story of the prophets. Uh, we've been reading the prophet Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is, of course, encouraging the people uh, as they are in exile in Babylon. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The city lays in ruins. They're far from home as they could possibly be, and their uh, hearts are as far from home as they could possibly be. And so we have the encouragement on the last part of Ezekiel as Ezekiel has a vision of God restoring Israel. And as he restores it, it's in grand portions. There's a magnificent temple. Uh, there is a river of God flowing out from the temple that uh, brings back, you know, the entire land and it flourishes. And of course, we've read the reapportionment of the land in, in a grand scale as well, which is even more remarkable because many of these people that will be given a place here no longer exist as a people. So in the same way, in Ezekiel 37, God renews, you know, the dead bones. He's also renewing a people who have been lost to history as well. And we come to the, the closing section of that where we find the name of the new city. And it's no longer Jerusalem, but it has a new name. And that new name represents what God has been up to all along, uh, to be present with his people for their blessing and for their flourishing. So before we read, as we always do, we pause and realize what a gift we have in God's Word and uh, the beauty of God's Word, uh, the way that it speaks to our hearts and the way that it helps us understand who God is and what God does and the power uh, of His renewing work in us. So we offer ourselves, we offer this moment to the Lord. So David, do you mind lifting us up a word of prayer before we read? No, let's pray. And Father, we do ask that, um, that you would um, renew us and, and help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear as we turn to your living word. Um, we thank you for the beauty of your word, the gift that it is. Thank you for the beautiful story it tells. And as we look at this closing section of Ezekiel, um, we ask that we would be, uh, that we'd be encouraged as we see um, this story moving forward. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ezekiel 48, verse 30. And these will be the exits of the city, beginning on the north side, which is 4,500 cubits long. The gates of the city will be named after the tribes of Israel. The three gates on the north side will be the gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, and the gate of Levi. On the east side, which is 4,500 cubits long, will be three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dion. On the north side, which measures 4,500 cubits, will be three gates, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Issachar, and the gate of Zebulun. On the west side, which is 4,500 cubits long, will be the gates, uh, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, and the gate of Naphtali. Distance all around will be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that, from that time on will be, the Lord is there. And that is the ultimate promise of Scripture. You know, that God is present with his people, dwelling with his people for their for their flourishing and for his glory in, in a wonderful union uh, that he created us uh, to know him and to flourish in a relationship with him. And that's the restoration of God's presence, which is the same thing we see in Revelation. You know, when the new city comes down and God's dwelling place will be among his people in an even far greater way you know, than it is here. So we have, you know, interestingly enough, uh, we have rather than 
Ephraim and Manasseh, we have the gate of Joseph's who are restored. Mm -hmm. It's the first time Joseph gets mentioned in the <laughs> distribution of the Welcome land. Back. So it's good to see Joseph again. Yeah, and you could, I mean, we've seen this, scholars summarize the story of the Bible in this way. You know, you got Carson wrote the book, the little biblical theology book, The God Who Is There. Um, you know, others said that you could hold the Bible together by the relational presence of God. That's right. Um, and, and so we've seen that. I mean, from beginning to end, you see God longing to dwell with his people in the garden, you know, casting out his people, but then pursuing a people, planting himself there in the midst of his people after he brings them out of Egypt. And and now, you know, as they're in exile, it's a reminder to them that no, the Lord is still pursuing them. And, and once again, the Lord will be there. Yeah, and then we move obviously to you can move to Jesus and and Revelation. We could go through the whole story, but I mean that you, mm -hmm. Revelation is be a good mm -hmm. time to read you know twenty one and twenty two and just be reminded that there is a day that is coming where yeah. this will be true. Yeah, and there's no doubt that John is is building on the images of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. So um, you know the poor proportions of Jerusalem, you know, or or the city that comes in from heaven, the New Jerusalem is even more grand than the proportions here. And it's not, you know, just simply spatially, you know, moving from north to south and east to west, but it also moves, you know, vertically as well. And, uh, of course, takes the shape of, you know, uh, 144,000, you know, cubics or the, you know, the, and it takes portions of the holy place. And, of course, you have, you know, in that city, you have these, these gates as well. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, that you have the, you know, the 12 gates, but you also have the 12 foundations, which are, you know, the apostles of the Lord. And uh, it's bringing together the whole people of God in the presence of God for the blessing of God. And it's a pretty incredible, you know, portrait. So it's almost like you're saying the Bible's like endlessly rich and there's so much that we know and still don't know when we look at this whole story. Well, you know, we look at these, we look at these, you know, we look at, you know, if you're, coming out of the exile uh, and you look at the proportions of the land and you look at the proportions of the temple and you look at the proportions of the city and if you look at this you know rich you know water source which you know Jerusalem is is based on a couple of springs and now there is a river mm -hmm. you know that is flowing out of it that gets ever deeper you know as it goes and brings abundance to the land and abundance you know to the people it's it's a vision you know that's beyond anything that they could possibly imagine and then we go to the book of Revelation, and of course, we're described in very graphic terms the beauty of the streets and the beauty of the gates and the beauty of the foundations. And, and of course, those are in terms that are beyond anything we can imagine, but the glory of God himself, when we finally see it, will surpass Ezekiel's vision, will surpass you know, John's vision. It, it'll be exactly you know what Paul talks about, exceedingly abundantly more than anything our little brains you know, mm -hmm. could possibly wrap themselves around. So these are visions of God's, you know, God's glory, God's grandeur, and God's purposes. But God's glory, His grandeur, and His purpose will far exceed, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. these visions or any concept you know we can possibly have. And you could argue, you know, as we've been reading this, let's do argue. That, <laughs> but right, here yeah, we go. I think it's you know that from forty to forty-eight, it's, He's been talking about this restoration of the land and the temple and these things. All of that is for nothing if the Lord is not there, you know. And, and so the people aren't just longing to get out of exile to return to the land, back to, an, uh, you know, to rubble. And they're longing for, again, the presence of God to be among them, you mm -hmm. know. And and so you you get this, you know, even for us, you know, you get to Revelation and we start reading it. And if, you know, a new heaven comes down and the Lord's not there, it's not glorious. 
you know, mm-hmm. it may appeal to us in some ways, but, you know, apart from the Lord being there, that's the glory of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times we can you know, we can get caught up in the, the beauty of architecture and the beauty of landscape and, you know, the beauty of uh, all, you know, kinds of different things, you know, that attract us. But the real beauty is, you know, the presence of the Lord and something we often miss. Mm-hmm. You know, even as we enjoy creation, even as we enjoy, you know, the things around you. Of course, you were talking about earlier, you know, the presence of God, which from a, you know, a biblical theology, your perspective is, is a storyline of all of Scripture, that God desires to be present with his people for their flourishing and blessing and for his mm-hmm. His glory, you know, to live in a dynamic, you know, partnership you know, with him in order to accomplish his purposes. From a systematic theolo- you know, theology, theological standpoint, it, it's almost absurd mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, God is complete in himself mm-hmm. and has no need of Israel. He has no need of us. You know, there is nothing in us that completes who God is or mm-hmm. fills a missing, you know, void in his life. So he's complete in joy, complete in glory, complete you know, in, in harmony existing in the Trinity, and yet somehow he created us and has invited us into his fullness, uh, which is not a necessity on his part, but is a huge necessity mm-hmm. on our yes. part. Mm-hmm. It's such a gift. And that's what I'm kind of just processing as I sit here just thinking it's so easy for people, us, to read the Bible in snippets and to kind of grasp onto snippets that, stand out to us but when we do see the bible as a whole and when we really do see those themes um, and start to grasp those themes we see a god who is a deeply relational god who and if you've been a parent you know that there are times of judgment there are times of discipline and there are times of, of needed distance Um, so that the child grows and matures and learns. And, but the fact that our God is there, he is wanting to be with his people and making a way to always be with his people, despite their distance, despite their rebellion, our rebellion. Um, It just shows me the heart of, of our God is, is so pure, pure and good and loving and uh, I just think that's, um, it's just so important for me, for us to, to read these things as a whole. And yes, like absolutely study them and get into the details, but also just take a step back and really see um, the heart of God for his people. And that they're all throughout scripture, just like you guys are saying, God is making a way to be with his people. And that is where the flourishing comes from. No, and there's a bigger picture. We get, you know, from the prophets, obviously, that God is gracious in all he does. So even in his judgment, and of course his judgment, as we've read through the book of the prophets, has been severe, and sometimes it, it, it points, even even astounding, it leaves us, uh, you know, uh, almost in awe. Uh, but even the purposes in judgment are to lead to restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has brought his people through judgment so that he might restore them and renew them and give them hope. You know, this is in Christ. And so that's on a, you know, a big, you know, macro level as we look at scripture, but also on a mac, you know, micro level in our lives. That God allows circumstances in our life, you know, to shape us, to form us, and to point us, you know, to himself. So 
our God is, you know, gracious in, in, in all that he does. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a good note to end on mm-hmm. and to end Ezekiel on. And, and what a great, you know, what a great end to the book. The name of the city will be the Lord is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a reputation to have for a city. Uh, Matt, you mind closing us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are um, sufficient in and of yourself. Uh, you don't need us, and yet um, you have created us to enjoy uh, you and all your fullness, and to and you've pursued us um, as we've run from you and chased after other things and rebelled against you. Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ Jesus, and, and we pray that um, we would enjoy uh, the fullness of that relationship we have with you, um, both today, this week, and um, forevermore. Father, we thank you uh, for the promise of restoration. Uh, would you continue to uh, encourage our hearts uh, through it? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.